Hey, this is Scott Harris, and you're listening to Tobin's Night. What got you into the music side of things and just becoming this, I guess, a DJ in a sense? Because if someone told me tomorrow, hey, Brian, go up there and turn some tables, make some remixes and all that, I'd be like, oh, and they'd be like, really? And I'd be like, that's the best I could do. It's just like anything it just takes time and practice. So the first songs that I created were garbage. <laughs> I mean, uh, thankfully, I just had a really supportive group around me. It was in college that uh, went to see Tiesto. I mean, I was always into music, so I loved like Blink-182, kind of all those bands back in the day, The Used, Under Oath. And then in college, I got kind of more into dance music. And then I saw Tiesto live. And the whole atmosphere that he created in that show really kind of set me up to go right into music. I was like, look, I love the atmosphere. I love the uplifting for the most part vibes. And then from there, it was just a rabbit hole, you know? Okay, Tiesto, Avicii was just starting out at that point. Like 2009, he was starting to get known in the US and then a bunch of other artists as well, Swedish House Mafia. And it was just a very, uh, I mean, Great. Like at the time, it was great music. It's still great now. I think we've come a long way in creativeness in that regard. But I just wanted to kind of create that same atmosphere as, as a way to get out of the boring like day-to-day stuff. Or if you're having a hard time with something, it's definitely nice to be able to escape and go into that music and just feel good, feel happy. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of friends up in like Ottawa that just love like the party dance music scene. And it's like, to me, it's like, I'll listen to the music. But as soon as like, we're going to a rave, I'm just like, Ew. no, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I'll listen to it. It'll pump me up my own way. I don't need your crazy raves there. But I, I do like your aspect of mentioning the different types of music you're, you're into. Um, the debate I will make, and again, you can agree, disagree, is when you're mentioning about Swiss house uh, mafia Avicii like I remember that in high school that that was a big trend and it seemed like that was trendy at the time but it seems like now in the world of social media if I go on YouTube even if it's not a recommendation for me I could stumble across a remix or something that somebody has created and that's almost like giving them a platform where I believe it helps them it kind of keeps that music a little bit alive a little bit in tune because for someone like myself I'm not outright looking for an Avicii or that kind of song and like an iTunes. I'm not. But if I come across of saying a Macklemore song and then I see someone remix it and I'm like, you know what? That remix sounds just as good, if not better than the original. Then I'll go to that YouTube channel and check out his stuff. So that's how I kind of come inclined with it. And in a way, thanks to Instagram, that's kind of how I stumbled across your music because I remember just scrolling down. I'm like, that that song is really good. Still the same. And I'm like, it's 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 catchy. It's good. And then I remember just sending a message. I'm like, this guy's not going to reply. Like he's going to be like, who are you? <laughs> and then uh, when you replied, I'm like, wait, this guy's going to reply to me. It's like I'm I'm literally just a fan. But I thought it was so cool. Flip it, dude. It's really cool that you even reached out to me. It's really fun to see all the different people that listen to our music because normally, like on my end, all I see are numbers. 
two people in Japan, a couple people in Korea, like Mexico, US, India, Brazil. I'm like, man, I really wish like I kind of get to know them, like see what they're like um, and chat with them. So for me, I think it's equally, you know, as cool, if not cooler than you might think it is uh, of me responding. But just in terms of what you're saying, I, I totally agree. I think the remixes and mashups and all that are huge. I, I really think it's a great way for artists to market themselves. And it also feels like it's a push and pull kind of situation because, you know, there's always these really great remixes that I find that will never get the same type of publicity as the actual song because the big record companies don't want to give any of that away. Now, I can understand that part. You know, they have a bottom line and all that. On the other hand, it's free marketing to have people do a remix for you and help push out the original artists even more. I think it is a win-win. So I'm always for remixes and creativity and seeing like you, like, hey, sometimes someone do a remix that I think is better than the original. And I, boom, I'm a fan from there on out. And the one that I, I think always kind of comes back to me, and I'm, I might butcher this because I, again, don't know the songs that well, but I believe, uh, and it sucks because I'm Canadian, so I really should know more about Brian Adams. So okay. hashtag who's watching this is going to be like, just, no, he's not, he's a Newfoundlander. Of course he doesn't know anything about Canada. Like, hey, I think like Brian Adams had a song back in the day and then they did a remix of it. And I believe like it gets used for every almost sad emotional video, but it's more of a dance vibe one for this one that the person created. And I wish I could name it off the top of my head. I'm sure once the interview is over, it'll just come to me. But because right. <laughs> that's how it works. But I'll listen to it. It's like, uh, it's like, baby, you're all that I want. You're lying here in my arms. And that's his. And he makes it sad and classical. But someone does a remix of yeah. it. And next night you're into clubs going, mm, mm, mm. and I'm just like, no, what are you doing? <laughs> it's supposed to be sad. But then I'm like, okay, yeah, I can dance to this too. And then I'm just like, what am I doing? I'm dancing? Like, no. <laughs> I, I always think it's really fun to change the vibe of the vocals to the vibe of the, the track, right? So you can have like this really happy-go-lucky vocal and then just kill it with the chord progression that you choose. I think Galantis does a really great job of having uplifting chord progressions. Okay. I forget the name of it. It's not... There's like, there's like the happy chord progression and then there's like one that they use kind of frequently that's like the super happy-go-lucky chord progression. Oh. And... Okay. I was messing with it one day and I was like, yeah, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> that That's essentially the, like the song type. Like, so, so I kind of want to get back into this with your song with still the same, like there's so many dynamics to it that you, I guess, obviously kind of mixed it all together, but the, the voice, is there an actual, like, is that an actual female voice in that? Or is there actual techniques to make it sound that way? She did a great job. I found uh, this artist on Sound Better. It's a new feature, um, but um, yeah, I was like, look, and, and normally with vocalists, because I'm terrible at lyrics um, and top lying in general, I just kind of give them an idea, hey, this is the kind of feel I'm going for, or this or that. So, I mean, normally, like, hey, I'm looking for like a euphoric or like happy feel or, uh, you know, a breakup or, um, you know, you just met somebody love kind of thing. Uh, so I think she killed it on in that regards. And when she sent it to me, she sent it both dry, which means there's no effects on it. And then with FX and like delays and a little bit of auto-tune here and there and whatnot. So you really didn't need auto-tune. It, it, it's fun because when you find really great artists, you don't need a lot of auto-tune. Um, sometimes you don't even need any auto-tune. But for the sound I was looking for, I wanted just a little bit of that feel to it. So I just threw it on there just in, in that regard. 
a lot of it, a lot of it was her, even the ad libs and the backing tracks, um, that she does. I mean, she did that all basically in one session and sent it over to me. I didn't even have to go back and say, Hey, can I get this, this, and this, which is sometimes what I go back and do. I like, I like the concept of us like piecing it all together. And especially when you're saying like, when you get great vocalists that, you know, you can just send it and you're like, I- I'm sure that's like heaven to you when you see it and you're like, I don't have to do shit. Like yeah. I, can just, <laughs> I can just put this together and great. Because if I sent you something now and you said, Brian, I want you to voice something for me. And I'm like, here, here's my singing voice. You're like, you just be sitting there with your head in your hands going like, Brian, uh, I'm sorry, I, I can't use this. And I'd be like, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's kind of the, another like thing that people just assume. They think like auto-tune can fix everything. It can't. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it does, um, you know, in a group, right? So if you're a C student, like you're going to stay kind of in the C ranges on tests and whatnot. If you're an A student, you're going to stay in the age range. And I can add and subtract to that. But if, if you give me something that's just either wasn't recorded in a great session, um, like the microphone wasn't great or there's feedback or something else, it's going to be harder to make that sound and polish that up than it would be if I just had something great to start with. So definitely having quality singers up front is, is huge. When you were mentioning earlier about you have some upcoming projects, uh, I know there's one that you really couldn't mention, which is fine. understood. You would understand it on the marketing side as well. What kind of things are, I guess, in your pipeline? I mean, cause 2020 COVID baby, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. So I've got, I've, I've had a couple of songs that I've just been waiting to get the right vocalist for. Um, so whether it's a guy or a girl, what have you in, in the vibe. So there's a few that are out that I'm just working with the vocalist on now, hopefully that are really upbeat, catchy, you know, 128 BPM, like just really fun. And then a couple that are a little bit slower. So it's a little more commercial. And I, I know usually I'm like the happy go lucky, but I kind of want to go into like the Adele breakup kind of feel. I think it's definitely a relatable thing. And I always like it when I can hear a song, like, wow, that hits really close to home. I know what they've experienced and I'm listening to it and you can hear the emotion in their voice. Um, so finding kind of, I think right now it's also a struggle for me to find a balance of organic real instruments versus everything from my computer. I can put a guitar into a song and just have it be a fake one, but it just sounds so much better when it's real. So then going out and finding a session guitarist and putting in a real guitar and recording it. So yeah, there's a lot of really cool projects that I'm trying some different things on, which is also, it's exciting. You know, it's outside my comfort zone. So is it going to be as well received? Maybe, maybe not, but I'm, I'm having a lot of fun and I'm learning a lot in the process. I'm glad you kind of brought into that because it's like more or less some people will say about a music industry or any business or anything that you really do. Some people are like, well, geez, I want to get like popular. I want to get well known. And then you're like, after a while, they're just drained. They're tired. And they're like, this isn't me anymore. Where some people might never get a recognition, might never get where they want to go. But as long as they're having fun along the way, like you'll have a devoted fan base that will keep coming back and saying like, he's doing what he's loving to do. I love what he's doing. So, and, and I feel like we're in the generation now where I, I guess in the past it could be the same thing, but then sometimes they'd come mainstream. But like when you bring up to your buddy, like, have you ever heard of this guy underground? Like I know when I had a roommate, he was like, ever hear of Henderson, ever hear of Jonas? And I'm like, who? <laughs> and then when I listened to him, I was like, Oh my God, like these are great. So it's like, if I go to someone tomorrow and I'm out playing basketball, playing one of your songs, 
off this phone um they're just gonna be like man that song sounds so great who is it i'm like interesting story <laughs> yeah so and i think that's where it kind of comes even just this just having a relationship with the fans and seeing you know who they are and kind of developing like hey you know i met this guy this podcast he's really cool and going from there and then i think also with regards to like the, the unknown and underground you're always going to have your major pop people, Beyonce, Britney Spears, you know, you name them, they're all there. And I'm not saying that they're not passionate, but people really like to see, even if it's not as great quality, they're really passionate person that really loves what they do. People are a lot more likely to get behind that person than the person that's already playing out arenas and, and what have you. I think that's like, it's a cool story because people get behind the underdog for the most part. For the most part, and then it's also fun too. It's motivational because like, if you bring up Blink One Eighty Two, I mean, they have interviews where they had like fight to like play at a really not great venue. I mean, I was, honestly, I'll call it a garbage venue. They had a fight to even get in to play there, and you see a lot of people nowadays that just want to—they're too proud, even though they haven't really done anything. So, like, well, I'm not going to play there, you know? I'm, I'm not that low to go play there. I have to play at least at somewhere like this. I'm like. Take what you can get, build it up, and then go there and, and kill it there. Um, you know, it's, it's stages. People are just trying to jump. <laughs> that's like that's like when people ask me to come on there. Like if someone asks to come on my podcast, and it's like my brother. I'm like, I'm too big for you, man. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then he's like, dude, like I'm in the next room. Like come on, and I'm just like, I don't care. I'm too big. I'm not coming over. I'm not stepping over one room to interview you. Um, <laughs> No, I get what you're saying. It's like, it, it's kind of, I think, like a double-edged sword because, for example, I don't know how big you are in country music. I, I'm assuming it's Dallas. So, I mean, you're somewhat surrounded by country. Uh, general is huge. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, when we reach out to certain acts like, uh, I don't know, like a Luke Combs or a Tim McGraw, I mean, at this point in their career, they're kind of like, why? Why am I coming on your show? And I'm like, for me, please? <laughs> come on, please? But like, if you had like the opening act for Luke Combs, they'd be like, oh my God, can, they'd be sending me emails going, can I come on? And I'm kind of like, yeah, sure. And then it's like four years down the road, they're turning into something. I'm like, okay, you're bigger now. Come back on. They're like, nah, man, we, we've done that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you doing? Uh, so yeah, I mean, you got to pay credit where it's due. Like if, if you're getting in on someone early, you know, it's only respectful that they come back and, you know, help you floating tide of all boats yeah so see that clip right there scott that could haunt you now in the future if you if you become big do, do, do world tours and then like you'll have like tmz and all this reach out to you or like et and they're like scott didn't do an interview with me i'm like it's like brian how'd you get the exclusive i have a clip and that's how the clip came in handy <laughs> <laughs> So tell me a little bit more about like, I guess your music side of things. Like where did you get the interest to? I know we kind of discussed on a little bit prior, but like when you first got all these materials together, started mixing things together, like did you ever have like self doubt or were like, cause you did mention some of the stuff, your first ones were garbage, your words, not mine. Yeah, um, but like, how did it all come to be pretty much like what got your interest in and how did you get better over time? I mean, originally I wasn't even dancing. Like, I was just recording guitar and making kind of weird, different um, songs just in that regard. And overall, they weren't very good. I think melodically, like the idea was there. It was it was always easy. I'm like, you know, this, uh, this melody is catchy. If I showed it to somebody, 
they were like, yeah, it still needs a lot of work, but then they'd be humming the, the melody later. So okay. I'm like, okay, well, I just have to figure out how to make it sound better because the important part of the ingredient is there. And so just continuing to make more music, really, honestly, the more you do something, the better you get, whether you want to or not. So, you know, if you're shooting hoops, you know, if you're practicing free throws, you know, whether you want to or not, by your thousandth free throw, you can be a lot better than your third or your fourth. And that just keeps moving and moving. So just continuing to make music and then trying to get what's in my head into the computer at first was extremely difficult because I didn't know what to call it. So you got to YouTube it or Google it and you're trying to Google it to find out what it's even called. And then you go, Oh, okay. That's what it's called. Now let me find out how to do this. And then you go through YouTube or Google and you find out how to do it. And then you do it yourself a few times. And then from there, it's you're like, all right, well, that sounded cool. But what if I had like a little twist to it? So you start to take something, you didn't even know what it was called. And now you're adding your own spin to it. And that's kind of, I think a great way to improve your abilities as well, because now you can take that little piece that you did and apply it to other sections um so whether that's i mean i'm trying to use like layman's terms like i try to explain this stuff to my wife sometimes and she's just like (laughs) um but like you know how do i make a mix louder you know i I just learned okay well i have to do this and this has to fit in here and if it you know it's too loud it's gonna make all the other pieces not fit it's basically just a big puzzle and figure out how to make that puzzle the best puzzle it can be. There, there's the expression that people will understand. The puzzle. I, I like how you just kind of explain it. Like when you go to like someone and trying to explain it to them, and it just goes over their head. It's just so like, well, whatever you're doing, sweetie, as long as as long as you're doing yeah. what you love, and then you're just like, thanks, mom. Uh-huh. I like the concept there of when you were saying that, uh, like re- whether you want to get better at it or not. Like if you take a thousand three throws, it's like I can just imagine that's going to be like the dad mentality when you get older. It's just so like, son, whether you like it or not, you're going to get better at this. And he's just like, I don't want to get better. <laughs> it's like you yeah. will. <laughs> there's a lot of details for sure. I think the other thing that helped though is, I mean, when I was starting out, I was in a fraternity in college, and so you know, I had all my fraternity brothers that. We're literally listening to me because the walls are so thin. <laughs> um, and so when I finally got like this concept or bass down and they could hear a groove, they're like, wow, hey man, this actually sounds pretty good. And other guys started to produce as well. So you just bounce back and forth and it's just it's a cool process. Have you ever had like a, a fraternity brother come over and be like, yo, can you like not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Many times, especially trying to find that right kick sample at like oh, uh, oh, the TV and it's like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> they're just there in the next room and then now years later when you're putting out music they're like i remember that guy when he was like a nobody and then he like reaches out to you he's like yeah sorry about all that time that i was kind of bugging you like i'm glad you're doing well and you're just still like like no <laughs> go away no i mean i think what i've learned is to separate my audience at least for the testing you know i got my yeah. friends that i was just like yo how do you think this sounds and some of them don't even like dance music um, they'll say, Hey, you know, I, I'm not into it, but I think it sounds good. And then I have my producer friends and they'll be a little bit more particular. You know, they'll be like, Hey, the 250 Hertz is a little muddy here. Um, definitely bump up the 750 or whatever. The vocals could use a little more air. So just using a different audiences for me and saying, Oh, okay. So, you know, my mom's going to love everything I do. Uh, my friends will you may not like what I do, but they'll tell me if it's good or bad. And then my producing friends will. Give me like the, the dirty details. Your, your producing friends are pretty much going to be 
the hard hitting ones that are going to give you truth. Like regardless if you like it or not, they're going to be honest. Like I, I look at the same a podcast, like I can put out episodes week by week. And sometimes I'll be like, how did that sound? And like your mom, your aunt, whoever is going to be like, loved it. You sound great. I wasn't even listening to the other interview. I was just listening to you, honey. And I'm still, <laughs> well, could you at least try to listen to the other person? I'm trying to get better here. Your friends will come across and be like, didn't really like the guests. Your questions were fine. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh, okay, at least you're supporting me. But then a producer or my like, you know, person who's involved with sharing the SoundCloud or like my whatever episodes will come and be like, yo, why are you so loud? Why are you cutting him off? Stop that. And then I'm like, everyone else said it was fine. <laughs> it's like, I'm the one being honest with you. I'd be like, well, I don't want it. <laughs> um, but Scott, yeah, I love the interview. It was really uh, relaxing. I hope it was okay on your end. Um, yeah, it was great, man. I really appreciate it. Great questions. Um, you got a great, great speed. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Scott Harris for coming on the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.